I do want to thank you for your prayers. Uh, even this morning, so many people have spoken to me, and I know many of you else, others didn't have the opportunity. And um, I believe in prayer. So uh, let's get started. Um, today's uh, service is about deliverance. And um, the message today is about a celebration of deliverance that we find in the Bible. And uh, what I'd like to do today is to look at this, this psalm and how it celebrates deliverance and how we do it together uh, as a group so that God's deliverance has continued effects on our lives. Because we can look back and see what God's done in the past. And because of that, in the present, we worship. We, we turn our hearts to Him and respond to the, His truth. And then, this will give us assurance in the future that, that we can count on the God who did things in the past, and we can, we can be thrilled with Him, and we can know this is the strong God that's going to stay with us to the end. He will never fail. So today we're looking at Psalm 24, uh, excuse me, 124, and learning about celebrating from the past into the future. And Psalms uh, is the middle book of the Bible. So pretty much if you get right at the middle, unless you have a lot of other stuff at the end uh, of your Bible packed in there. But it, it's the middle book of the Bible, and we're going to ha Psalm 124. And uh, a psalm, uh, I'm going to be saying a lot of things that a lot of people know, for you all that already know these things. And uh, I just ask your patience. Uh, because we want everybody to know. Okay, this, a psalm in the Bible is a, is a poem or a musical song that was sung. And the book of Psalms has 150 of them. And they were sung in worship by Israel. And uh, the book of Psalms is like a hymn book. And there are other psalms in the Bible, too, that people uh, sang. They're recorded in different books of the Bible. But if you've gotten to Psalm 124, you can see that in the heading, it is a song of ascent, it's called. A song of ascent of David. And um, it is attributed to David, who was uh, started out as a shepherd boy, just taking care of sheep, and became the greatest king of ancient Israel 3,000 years ago. And it comes with an explanation that it's a song of ascents, one of the songs that the Jewish people would sing as they walked to Jerusalem. In the Old Testament agreement, the covenant between God and his people, Israel, they had an obligation to go to Jerusalem three times every year, at least. 
to meet together before God, to sacrifice for their sins, to celebrate God with good food and good drink and serious talks. But three times a year, they had to do that. And uh, they went to Jerusalem from wherever they lived, walking days and maybe more than a week to get there. They were national pilgrimages. People would come from all over to meet the Lord. And as they got closer and closer to their destination, the groups would get bigger because the groups of people would be joining together and uh, making, a, you know, just a traffic jam going up to Jerusalem. But they just were walking there, most of the time uphill. And we don't do this. I mean, we don't do this. We don't, well, I was going to say we don't have national pilgrimages, but uh, coming up is one of the big national pilgrimages, you know, Thanksgiving. Biggest travel day in the year. <laughs> uh, so we have national pilgrimages. And in New Jersey, I've learned that there are also pilgrimages every summer to the shore. I married a Jersey girl. So I learned about pilgrimages to the shore. But can you put yourself in the picture of this, walking? And one of the people in your group starts singing a song of ascents, one of these psalms, this group of psalms uh, in, in, in this part of the Bible. And everybody joins in. Everybody joins in. Well, how do you know the words? I mean, no no bulletins. Well, you see, they've been doing it their whole life. Three times a year. Walking, singing, maybe singing around the campfire on the way there. And other times, it wasn't like you couldn't sing these psalms outside of the pilgrimages. But do you see how something like this could, could get down deep? The person was open to God it would get down deep into them. Do you see that? Three times a year, maybe a bunch of times on the way, day after day, and you're singing together. We were walking in the woods of, of uh, Wyoming, Patricia and I, in a national park, and she started singing. She was telling me, let's talk, let's talk, let's talk. And she said, keep we want to sing. And she'd start singing these hymns really loud. Why is that? And, and she said, bears. <laughs> bears. <laughs> Let them know we're around. Well, uh, okay. Well, can you imagine walking? And you're just, you're just with your family and your friends, people you know in your group. And people just melt it out. That would be great. Uh, before uh, we we go further, uh, it, basically you probably already know this, but there's a particular word in this psalm. Are you there in the book of uh, Psalm 124? There's a particular word in the song, in this uh, 124, that connects the three sections of the past, the present, and the future. And it is the word LORD, which probably in your Bible is in all caps. And it's there in verse 1 and 2. And then it's down in verse 6. Blessed be the LORD, all caps. And then in verse 8, 
our help is in the name of the Lord. And uh, this is how the English translators of the Bible translated a particular Hebrew word, Yahweh, and it's already, I believe, been said today. The other ancient peoples and, and nations in the past, they had lots of religion. And religion was important in every nation at that time. And one of the, the funny truths in archaeology is that this God, Yahweh, is never mentioned by any of them. They stay clear. They use words like God, Lord, Holy One, and other words that are in the Bible that we use to talk about God. They were polytheistic. They worshipped a bunch of gods. And when their nation ran into other nations with different gods, they would welcome them in. Come on. It's a big party. But not Yahweh. Not once do they want that God. Yahweh was a very particular God. He had one people. There was no parallel in the ancient world. One people that the one true God chose. They didn't choose him. He chose them. He revealed himself to Abraham and his descendants. He revealed his name Yahweh to them. And they had a special relationship that we usually call a covenant. It's like a treaty or a, a pact. Maybe like peace between us. And how do we keep that peace? And um, it's called, a, well, sometimes it was like a treaty. It's the form of it was like a treaty between two nations. But God makes promises in the covenant. He has responsibilities. The people, his people, they individually and collectively promise that they will exclusively worship the God of the covenant, the Lord, and they will obey and make sacrifices for their sins. And if they don't, there are stated sanctions that come into place that God promises, that God promises to use to bring them back into fellowship with him if they go astray. And this particular song is, is replete, it's just full of it, of, of what it means to be in covenant with God. And so I'd like to read it out together. We're not going to sing it, okay? We're not, we won't sing it, okay? Maybe that's the right way to do it, but maybe Jim or someone else in the congregation will work on that. But uh, we're going to read it out together. And uh, I'm, I'd like to ask you to stand, if you can, to read God's Word. And uh, the beginning, it's like there's a, a song leader, okay? And he says the first verse. That, that ends with, let Israel say. So that's the cue for everybody to join in. So you're walking along, and somebody comes out and says, if the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, and everybody joins in. So I'm going to be the song leader, and you all have to join in. And we're, gonna, we're not going to read, I mean, we're going to just keep it going steady, okay? 
it's more difficult out here, but I trust we can do it. A lot of people have done this in the past. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Please be seated, okay? We need a little practice, huh? <laughs> three times a year. Uh, the psalm is divided into three sections. One to five about the past, remembering God's deliverance. Six and seven, which is about the present, right now, today, tomorrow, our present as we go forward. May God be worshipped. And eight is about confidence to have help in the future. Uh, it's a three-step process to have real, real settled assurance as we go into the future. God's with us. He is faithful. But it's not something that just pops Oh. It just doesn't happen overnight. It's built into us. And this first section, 1 to 5, moves, moves them and moves us to look at the past, to consider very soberly that if God was not for his people, they would not exist. Could be uh, individually, or as a family, or as a people, Angry, powerful people can rise up against us. A flood, a torrent, a flash flood. David, the author, knew what it was to have angry, hateful people rise up against him. Repeated times. He knew the hate-filled acts of the person that he served, King Saul. He would have served him happily, but King Saul pretty constantly tried to destroy David and his family and anyone who helped him. Do you have, do you hear the echoes of that? When people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. And I'm pretty sure most of us have had baited remarks in the office or words behind your back that are meant to wound. Oh, there's so much contempt that's just poured out all around us in the media, just contempt and hatred. 
and boom, it turns against you. And, and then the other side jumps in. And, and it's just contempt, hatred. That's just a torrent in our days. Words, not just words, but abuse. And ancient Israel knew on a larger scale the invasions of armies that would periodically burst in. Important to remember that uh, those invasions, in fact, came as part of the covenant because the people were breaking away from God. And, and the desperate times, so many, so many times, it was a means that God would use to pull them back, make them cry out to Him. But they knew, they could look back and shudder at times when drought and famine, when they were desperate, their families were hungry, there was no hope. They would remember individually or as a family or a village or a nation. They would have been swept away like in a torrent. And um, in the, the dry climate of Israel, often there, there are flash floods. The ground just doesn't, in a lot of places, just doesn't soak up the water quickly at all. It just floods out. And um, even on this trip to Jerusalem, uh, they could look up in the mountains and they would have to watch for rain. And, and uh, you could miss rain because it's over the top of this mountain. It's behind that. But because it drains into where you are, if you were walking in a dry stream bed, bone dry, in minutes, there could be just a huge flash flood rushing down. I mean, we had a tornado here, right, in our neighborhood. And thank you to the people that, um, that checked on people, <laughs> checked on others to see, are you okay? And farther north from here, of course, they had, they had the floods that we could see on TV. I don't know whether anybody actually was close by to see it. But just terrible, just cars running down the road, pushed by the water, tumbling over. And they knew about these flash floods. It was a part of the, you just know about weather, and you're ready, and you don't just go walking down a little rivulet and not pay attention because you can be swept away. And you don't build a house where water passes over the ground and there's sand shows that this, this is a place where the water goes. Because if you build a house there, as Jesus spoke about, you're in the wrong place. Because it's going to happen. There are going to be storms. And that's the place where a house cannot stand. Only in his word, not just hearing his word, but following his word. So it's an important thing. Uh, the weather to them and the image here of the enemy and the destroyer approaching him and they say if it had not been the Lord <laughs> we know what would have happened 
And in singing this, the pilgrims would be preparing their hearts to meet with God. They would think back, yes, then, and then, and then, if God hadn't intervened, where would we be? And they would grasp how God protected them, the different ways, with power, with providence. However God did it, they, could, they would remember and mark it and sing about him and talk about him. God made an agreement with them, a sacred covenant. And yes, he is faithful. Even when they disobeyed, he didn't abandon them. Uh, perhaps you are thinking, uh, I wouldn't doubt it if some of you have times like that in your mind. And I don't know when I just read it and looking forward to this time, I just couldn't think about times in Patricia in my life when we might have been swallowed up and just carried away. We were desperately seeking God, God's direction. In June, July of 2000. And nine, our son John had a funny lump on his leg. Got medical exams. And the doctors where we lived were, were taking us. It, it was ending up with an operation next week. The week. Uh, we were desperate. And we had sent the medical exam, all the information we had about this. You know, you can send uh, the information in the Internet uh, all the MRIs and stuff like that, and we did that. And we had three different specialized doctors who God had provided the names of these doctors through friends and through our mission board. And we were praying fervently. An answer came back at, from two of the doctors at the same time, during the same morning, In the morning, there were emails. And these two doctors, we figured it out because we could figure the time zone. They emailed almost at the same time at 3 o'clock in the morning to send us a message that if this is true and this is true and this is true, you should come back to the States for treatment. And one of them said, if you're going to be in the Philadelphia area, this is the doctor you want to see, and this is his phone number. <laughs> well, the struggle wasn't over. You, you all know you were part of it. Your prayers were part of it. There was still a lot of struggle and a lot of prayer to be made and a lot of prayers that were answered. But that took us out of being swept away by uh, the consequences of an inconsiderate surgery in the case of a cancer patient. And the Lord had spoken so clearly on this path, we knew what we should do. And he, <laughs> he delivered us. Uh, now, you can have certain events in your mind, in your mind's eye right now, maybe a tragedy or a depression or a divorce terrible financial crisis, the death of your spouse, sickness, an auto accident, something else, maybe worse, 
And it would be good for you individually or as a couple or as a family or with friends to talk and to remember that God was faithful to you. If it had not been the Lord, I, I hope you can see the pieces coming together here. God brings people into a relationship with himself in a covenant, and he's faithful. He's faithful to his word, and therefore he's faithful to his covenant people. But in the context of Psalm 124 are the Israelites. He, and he says to them, it's, it's good for us, he says in the Israelites, in the Bible, in Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel chapter 36, in other places, he says, there is going to be a new covenant. God says, we're in this covenant, but there's going to be a new covenant that God's going to give. And the new covenant is through Jesus, whose name, the name Jesus, means Yahweh saves. And the new covenant of a greater salvation and greater power, and, and more the presence of God comes through the man God sent, the Son of God, G uh, Yahweh saves. Because without this new covenant, practically none of us here would be in relationship to God. Everyone needs to find a way to get into relationship with God through what God has done. Well, you might ask, why do I need to get back to God? I mean, everything fi seems fine to me. Well, have you told a lie? Anybody here ever told a lie? Oh, uh, I don't want to count them. I don't think I can, well, I have to count really, really, I don't know. It's a lot. Everybody has told a lie. But do you see how you distance yourself from God, the God who is truth? In fact, you've taken the side of the father of lies, God's enemy, in stating something that was untrue. In fact, I'm sorry. <laughs> the way, uh, I mean, I've got to talk about this. It's me and every person around you. We've lied maybe unthinking, other times we had to think about it, and acted as if untruth is better than truth. And this snap judgment sometimes is an accusation against God. The real truth is not good. How often I've set aside the right thing to do because it's easier, a way that I think, well, it's going to get the results I want, even if it's wrong, even if I know it's wrong. Do you see how I've made myself in doing that a judge of what is true and what is right? It's rebellion against God. By my actions, I say that God's truth, God's good, God's right are not true, not good, and not right to me. And that cannot stay unanswered because it's an attack against the character of a 
holy God who is good. It's dishonorable. And it shames us. Because we lie, we hide it. We know it's shameful. We don't want people to call us out. Because exposing it, showing what is true, we just feel shame about it. The Bible says that everybody, all have sinned, fallen short of God, and says we can't make amends. We can't. Without God's merciful intervention, we're all irretrievably lost. But, but God, right? But God. Uh, but Jesus, Yahweh saves. He came and he gave his life as a ransom for us. He takes our sin, our shame, our guilt, our treason against God to himself, and he suffers the consequences. Amen, brother. Amen. And he rises from the grave in power, power over sin, power over death, and he sends out a message to everyone in the world. Repent and believe in the gospel. Bible says he, he, God the Father, made him, Jesus, to be sin. Who knew no sin? Jesus was perfect, not guilty of sin. So that in Jesus, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. We might be reconciled to being in the presence of God through Jesus. And this is the new covenant that Jesus established. It's like a last will and testament, maybe. I have a will. My last will and testament. And it comes into effect when I die. And when I die, certain benefits go to people. Certain people. Not everybody in the world. No, I don't have the means for that. It goes to Patricia, basically. Okay. And when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, his covenant and will, the New Testament, comes into effect. He sets in motion a massive change where rebellious, hopeless men and women can be brought back to God. This cup is the blood of the New Testament, New Covenant, Jesus says at the Last Supper. It was through his death and resurrection that this new covenant comes into play, where we can get right with God. God makes you family, in fact. And uh, I don't know, I'm glad. If you're visiting here today, I'm really glad you are. And uh, I know I've been saying a lot, a lot to understand and to grab. Jesus, he said it, repent and believe. Jesus said, seek and you will find. So if you're here and you have questions, 
I'd, I'd just invite you to talk to me after the service. Or you can talk. I'd, I'd love to talk. Or anyone that's been up here up front, you can talk to them. You can talk to the person that maybe invited you to come. Or if you just talk to the people around you, you're going to find. And I just invite you to do that. This first section that we've uh, gone through, it looks back in time at the faithfulness of God, the God of the covenant. And we can look back and see how God's faithful. It's Psalm 124. It's part of our inheritance. What we bring to ourselves, to our family here, even though we're not Israelites like they were. But it's our inheritance in Jesus. And it should percolate in us into our thought life and shape our hearts. This is the first point. Remember the past. God rescued us. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Our second point is verses 6 and 7. Um, and it's what we're to do in response to having and celebrating these rescues that God did for us in the past. And it is that God should be worshipped. This is for our daily life, for our corporate life. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird. From the snare of the fowlers, the snare is broken, and we have escaped. There's something different right here, at the, the, right at the beginning. David, the author, doesn't say, blessed is the Lord. Did you see that? He doesn't say that. That's a true statement. Blessed is the Lord. But he doesn't say that. He says, blessed be the Lord. So the pilgrims singing would tell each other not just that God is a blessed person, but also we are to join in that blessing. We are to pronounce blessing over God. We are to worship God. We are to praise, to adore all the perfections of God. You see the difference? Blessed be. It's a call. It's an invitation. It's an invocation. Respond. Bless God. Praise God. Adore God. And it's telling us to do that. Uh, think of the Lord's Prayer. It, this, this type of phrase is around quite a bit. But in the Lord's Prayer, our Father, which art, and I got art in my brain, okay, memorized it that way, it stays with you. <laughs> Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or hallowed be your name. It's true to say, holy is your name. That is very true. But Jesus taught us, hallowed be your name. And it's more. Saying, I desire that your name be treated with utmost respect, hallowed. I desire that when people speak of you, that it be in a pure and honorable manner. 
I want that when I speak of you, it be in spirit and in truth and in adoration. That's what, when we pray, that prayer that Jesus taught us, that's what we're saying. And blessed be, <laughs> blessed be the Lord. We're calling ourselves and others to adore God, and we want his beautiful character to be responded to, to find something in us that, that, that echoes and sends it back out. Ah, he's great, and he's kind. He's totally perfect. You know, we, we are here today to sing his praises, his holiness, his righteousness, his rescues. And it's an answer to this, what we just said, blessed be the Lord. Blessed be, you're here as part of the blessed be the Lord. We do it at least once a week. And may it be a great banquet a celebration that overflows into the rest of our weeks. As an individual, in small groups, overflowing, just goes over this. Just so good. And uh, maybe we can do it better and better every day, practically. Now, the psalmist doesn't here, he doesn't just take off on this. He, I mean, he could go. A lot of times in the Bible, they do go off, and man, they're going to center on everything they think of of the goodness of God. But uh, he doesn't here, but he connects this invocation, this exhortation to bless God with something else, and that's our lostness. He speaks of of God, uh, the psalmist. He says, um, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. This is David talk. Because David was a shepherd. And he talks, not here, but elsewhere, about rescuing lambs from the mouths of wild animals. From the jaws of a bear or a lion. Knocking them dead with his rod. A shepherd boy taking on a bear or a lion. And taking that lamb away. He also talks about the Lord being his shepherd. His shepherd in Psalm 23. And he says, even though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. (laughs) David had used a rod. And he says, God, I'm your sheep. I'm your lamb. I can walk in the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because you've got a rod. Do you see that? (laughs) Blessed be the Lord. And verse 7 talks about us being little birds that are trapped. Uh, Fowlers, in those days, they would hunt birds, lots of birds, all birds, with snares and traps and nets. Uh, It doesn't work with a bow and arrow. You got to use other things, and they did. And they used stealth and bait to capture birds alive. And I'm sure you realize even today, trappers they don't plan on that animal getting away. 
they make sure the animal that is trapped isn't going to get away. Its fate is sealed. But here, <laughs> here, David says, the snare is broken. The bird is fluttering around underneath the net, powerless to escape. And there's a hole in the net, and it's gone. We have escaped! <laughs> Exclamation mark. We have escaped. Now, what has snared, trapped, captured you as its prey? I hope you know that your worst enemy, our worst enemy, is sin. And it's not your worst enemy because you can be a victim of sin. That happens. And that's very true. But the, our worst enemy is sin because it ensnares our hearts. It roots in deep. And we want to take vengeance and we're proud. We want to have outward morality and maintain a section of inner darkness. And the Bible says everyone has been a slave to sin. But if we meet the Lord Jesus and truly meet him, repent and believe, he sets us free. <laughs> We've escaped. Amen. <laughs> uh, sin is no longer our master. Our future, our destiny isn't determined by sin. He makes us citizens of his kingdom and members of his family. He makes us kings and queens to live in justice and love. He makes us a royal priesthood to go to God for people and to go to people for God. So now in this second section, after there was a call, there was a call to remember, there's a call to celebrate, and uh, seek out the greatness to bless him. Now we want to go on to the third section, which is been prepared by the first two. But it points us into the future. So we can go on into the future. David gives this promise. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is our solid ground to face the future and its challenges. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work backwards quickly, I hope. He says, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So he says, our help is in the sovereign, omnipotent God who made heaven and earth. Everything depends on him. It exists because he chose that it would exist. And there's nothing outside of his will and control. That kind of help that God gives will never fail. It will always help as God purposes it to help. It can't be, uh, it can't be uh, taken to the side. It's going to go where God directs. So it's, it's from the Creator... And we'll backspace, and he says, our help is in the name of the Lord. And this is the fourth time in this psalm that he goes back to the name of the covenant. Our help 
is in a God who, who makes plain his will and his responsibility. And he tells us what they are. He doesn't leave us in the dark to guess. It's a revealed God. And he tells us that this help is going to come in through the covenant. His agreement, his promises. So often when Israel was threatened, they would try to get help outside of the covenant. Maybe it happened something like this. There's a drought. They're hungry. Why is there a drought? It's because God is chastening them. But instead of returning to God, they say, well, we're in a drought. We need help. What should we do? We should seek Baal. He's the God of rain. So instead of crying out to God, they turn aside to Baal. No help at all. Now, there's this pattern in our lives, too. We seek a solution. Well, that didn't work. Seek another solution. Seek another solution. Wake up at night. Thinking. Thinking. Something else that might work. Seek and you shall find. Got to look in the right place. God. Israel maybe was threatened. It was it happened again and again. Threatened by a neighboring country. And the gen, not always, but the general pattern was, we need help. Syria is the answer. Syria has a bigger army. We will ally with Syria. And then, oh no, Syria is threatening us. We need help. Assyria. It's a big country. It's got a better army than Syria's. And the next step, when their former allies turn against them, let's ally with Egypt. Now, Egypt was where they were enslaved. It's turned on the head. God rescued them to make a covenant with them from Egypt. But the faithful... Who trust God in the Old Testament, they say, it said, some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. That's where our trust is. It's not in a powerful army. It's in God. The Lord our God. So uh, let me ask... Uh, do you have chariots and horses in your stable? If you had to name something and you'd say, that's my chariot and horse that I, that I go to instead of the Lord, uh, what would you say? I don't know. Families. Finances? Finances? Yep. I'm, I'm stable. I finance, or what would it be? In Portugal, it was connections. If you knew the right person, you, you, you would think I can get a problem for this traffic ticket or me being in court or the right person, connections. But it's different for us. 
What's your chariot and horse? The only true and lasting help comes from God through the Lord Jesus, Yahweh saves, the author of a new covenant. Uh, David says, our help, going back, back, backspace, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And uh, very briefly, this is here to say, we do not grasp after straws. We don't know who we are going to. God has given us, revealed to us, his name for us to call out to. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, finally, we're going to go back to our last word uh, in this, which is at the beginning of the verse. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Our help is not just that we have a helper, although that's true. But David doesn't say our helper is the Lord. That's not false, but the truth is bigger than that. Because there is no true help outside of God's counsel and provision. It's a false promise. It's a snare. It's a trap. Every help that is promised to you outside of God's will and what He's revealed it's not going to go well. It's not just that God is our helper, but we would say our help, all of it, it's God. Now, he can direct people, and he can do things. He can make provision with providence. He can, he can provide, but it's through God. God is the ultimate source of any help that's going to be good for us. And it's all the help we need in whatever way God chooses to direct us to it. So, do you see how, how this is important? Celebrate. Oh, God, you've done so much in the past. You've rescued and rescued and delivered. It's great. And now, God, we bless you. And now, God, we're going to think about the future, and we're going to just say, our help is in you and no, one, no place else. And we need this because... You can go through life without a broken bone. But I don't think anybody goes through life without a broken heart. At one time or another. We all need help and we need to have confidence, assurance that we're on a solid rock. And all of us, all of us one day are going to become orphans unless we depart before our parents depart. But it's going to come. And we're going to need help. And we're going to need God. And uh, I'm married, and we've made it through storms to here. But uh, I would guess one of us, unless the Lord comes back, one of us is going to be a widow or a widower. Where everybody needs God's help. There are many long nights 
staying awake because of pain, physical or other, and we need God's help. And it's not by chance, if you know, I don't know if you noticed it, but in this psalm, the word I, me, my, mine, never appears. It's not here. It's always our, us, we, or, or the collective, Israel. There's no singular. It's not like you can do this by yourself. Now, that's perhaps un-American, but it's biblical. God has designed us for this group experience. I'm not saying that God doesn't give help direct to a person apart from others. He can do it. But his normal way of doing it is together, us, we, our need, to have other people alongside. This psalm teaches us to celebrate together and to worship together and to affirm our trust for the future, our help, together. So, um, let's do it. You know, when, you're, when you are hurting, when I'm hurting, I should tell other people. I should tell God, but other people. It hurts. And let's not be afraid to take the initiative to go to a person who's hurting. I mean, let the person who's hurting not wait to take the initiative. And let the person who knows the person is hurting not wait. So, right now, I just like to bless the Lord again and close this. Heavenly Father, you're a great God. You're a God who is faithful. Merciful in rescuing us when we just know we don't deserve it. And you've rescued us, taking the initiative to rescue us from sin when we were slaves to sin. And we bless your name. And together we tell you again that you are our help the true help for our soul. Thank you for giving us your people to be with, to worship and grow and have confidence in the future. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.